Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of Encore. I'm your host, Tony Franchetti. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Revival 3 from Tony Alonzo. The third volume in this popular series features arrangements of 14 familiar Christmas carols for contemporary ensembles. Christmas carols, like many traditional hymns, are often arranged for four-part choir and organ. With this collection, Tony Alonzo focuses instead on the needs of the piano or guitar-based ensemble, creating accessible carol arrangements for SAB voices, piano, and guitar. Although these arrangements can be utilized as choral anthems, they are truly intended to lead and inspire congregational song. They're compatible with the text found in GIA's hymnals and yet can be edited easily to agree with the version of the carol most familiar to the assembly. For more information, to preview or purchase, visit www.giamusic.com. And now, I'm excited to welcome on today's guest. She's someone I've wanted to have on the show for a while now. GIA's Vice President of People and Culture, Jennifer Odegaard. Jennifer, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with me today on this Friday. How are things with you? Good, Tony. Um, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. A little nervous, but excited. Oh, don't be nervous. No worries. We're uh, we're nice and casual here. So. Okay, good. <laughs> awesome. So we'll start <laughs> things off with just kind of a get to know you better question for uh, our listeners. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with you, but just uh, can you talk a little bit about your roots and upbringing, maybe up until your, uh, you finished your schooling? Sure, sure. I'm a lifelong Chicagoan. Uh, grew up on the northwest side of the city, far northwest side. Uh, about a mile from where I live right now. I have a younger sister and we're both proud products of Catholic school for Hi, yes. me, me for 12 years, her for 16. So she went to the University of Notre Dame. I went to Northwestern. So she beat me, beat me in the Catholic world there. Yeah. And the team beats me in football, my <laughs> team football all the time too. And my parents still live in the house that they moved into when I was a baby. So long time in the neighborhood where I live, lots of longtime friends. Uh, I grew up at St. Priscilla Parish, which you don't hear a lot about in the archdiocese, at least not um, in the circles that I'm in, but it's, it's a parish that had a parish school. So that's where I went to grade school. And I was involved in um, parish ministry there as a lector, as a catechist. Um, at one point I, I uh, helped you know, clean the church, refill holy water fonts and all of that. So um, was involved, was there for a very long time. It's where I got married. And then after uh, grade school at St. Priscilla, I went to Resurrection High School, which is also on the Northwest side. It just over the last couple of years, uh, the um, brothers, of, I'm, I'm losing uh, the Christian brothers. They are, they took over uh, the management of the school um, okay. when the Resurrection Sisters uh, decided that they, it, it needed leadership that they couldn't provide with their congregation being so small. So, um, but that school, we had a great experience in high school there. And then I went to Northwestern and got my degree in sociology. Great liberal arts degree, recommend it to anyone. I am proof positive that you can take a sociology degree and make a career out of it. So, and then I ended up in Catholic publishing and at a music publishing house. Now two of them, even though I'm not a musician, um, right. which is interesting. So, yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I too am a product of Catholic schools. So 
St. Benedict grade school, Brother Rice High School. I did go to a public scout college, though, Illinois State University, but that's super cool. I also did not know you went to Northwestern, so that's great. Funny story about Northwestern. My dad is a huge fan of the football team. Um, he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Huge fan of the football team. He loves Pat Fitzgerald and, you know, <laughs> yeah, grew up watching Pat. Yeah. Right. So he, uh, you know, every Christmas or his birthday, I'll get him, you know, some new Northwestern gear every year. And he always likes to proudly wear it. And people always go up to him and ask him, did you go to Northwestern? And he lies and said, yeah, says yes. Although he didn't. So I just, as soon as you said Northwestern, I like they had to say that. <laughs> Maybe we'll all be at a game someday. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Oh, it's yeah. It's a fun place to see a football game. It really is. And Definitely. they just got a big, a big grant from uh, the Pat Ryan Foundation to to revamp uh, the sports facilities. So yeah. there might be right. some really good football games in the future. Yeah. No, I, I'm a huge, very biased towards the Big Ten Conference as far as my college football goes. So I'm a huge Big Ten fan. So that's excellent. After college, you, you mentioned, of course, you're, you got into Catholic publishing. Uh, were there any jobs you held before that you went into Catholic publishing? There were. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to go into social work. Mm -hmm. um, and my first job out of college was at Maryville Academy in Displains, which is a residential, um, or was at the time, a, a, a residential institution for children in the foster care system, they had a, a really um, kind of cutting edge model of, of family settings um, for, for these kids to grow up in. And I worked in one of their shelter homes, which was more transitory. Um, and I did that for a little while and realized that combination of factors, um, the overnight hours, I was on the overnight shift. And I, I just, it, I changed course. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. Um, but it was it was some very good experience. And then after that, I went back to work for a company I worked for part-time in college. It's a really fun kind of job. Um, I managed two independently owned Italian import stores, um, oh, one in cool. Evanston, one on Michigan Avenue, um, that made that specialized in bringing in importing these beautiful handmade ceramic dishes. Um, and foods and gift basket. We made gift baskets. It was a, a good creative outlet, small family owned business. I'm still in touch with the previous owners. Um, and then I decided that I, I needed a, a change from kind of that retail world. Mm -hmm. um, as much as I enjoyed what I was doing, it, it, I was looking for something different. So I started working for liturgy training publications after that in their marketing Okay. All the good folks start marketing time. <laughs> right. Of course. Of course. All right. So that, that kind of brings up to the, the next question here. So then you, of course, began working with WOP. So how did that relationship start? Um, did you, you know, just see a posting and apply for the job or were you kind of, you know, recruited or? Yeah, it's a small, it's such a small world, right? Uh, you know, in, in uh, Catholic publishing and music publishing in the Catholic publishing world in Chicago in particular. <laughs> And uh, Mary Preet, who had led WLP as general manager, she most recently has been on the board of NPM, both she and a former general manager from LTP, John Wright, rest his soul, contacted me. They both knew me from my work at LTP, and they, had some, they wanted to find someone 
to do what I was doing at LTP at WLP. Um, so, you know, it just seemed like a really interesting, good fit. I, I knew one of their editors, Jerry Gallipo, who eventually led the World Library team right before I did. And it was a really nice short commute from my house. So hey. it, was three, it was three miles away. Um, that works, yep. So the universe was pointing me in that, <laughs> in that direction. I think when uh, we first met back in 2016, um, not long after I first started at GIA at, uh, I believe it was the ACP conference, I believe you were uh, the marketing director at WLP. So I know that I your uh, roles there kind of shifted a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about that and you just kind of, you know, how you had to adapt to, you know, the different roles coming from marketing yeah. director to chief publishing officer? Yeah, well, at first I started out my title was assistant marketing director and I worked on catalogs, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I miss doing. I, I have a little bit of envy for those who get to do that, <laughs> mainly because it, it helps you really realize the vast array of right. what's available. So I, I did that. And then um, when John Wright retired, I moved into the marketing director role and did that for, oh goodness, well, I did that from 2008 to 2017, so nine mm -hmm. years. Wow, yeah. Um, and then Jerry Gallipo um, was really feeling called to, to move to work in Catholic healthcare. And I was asked to step into his role leading the World Library Division of the J.S. Pollock Company. And it was not something that I had particularly wanted to do. I didn't really think about it, but I'm so glad I had the opportunity um, to do so. I learned a lot. I, the WLP staff was so patient with me and, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a very busy, um, but very interesting, never boring couple right. of years, um, <laughs> between, between the time I took that role and the time GIA acquired WLP in 2020. Right. So I asked this question to Mary Beth when I had her on the, sh uh, as a guest on my show, kind of not too long after the podcast first launched, but I was interested to get your perspective on it as well. So as a leader and, you know, an executive with WLP, can you just speak about what the significance of GIA and WLP uniting as one kind of means to you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, GIA was always the friendly, competitive cousin to WLP, um, both of us being in Chicago. At least that was, that's always been my, right. my feeling about it. I, <laughs> I knew some folks from, from GIA, even back in my time at, at LTP and, you know, just, really very similar, friendly, pastoral, ministry-focused, fun people. I have fond memories of former GIA staff, you know, sharing rides in cabs or offering me a ride at a convention. Distinctly remember that happening in Helena, Montana at an NPM oh, um, wow. when I was walking, wow. walking down a street, all dressed up to exhibit and a car pulled over and said, would you like a ride? And I said, oh, please, thank you. Yes, please. <laughs> so um, we've always had kind of that friendly connection, you know, knowing people knowing each other from various parishes. And, you know, WLP landed, I think, where it was meant to land. And it doesn't mean that was easy. You know, it, 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 it required a lot of change. Um, there was loss. You know, we lost some coworkers along the way. We lost familiarity. We, we lost a comfortable, you know, a work environment, office space that we had all worked in for, for quite a long time. And, and there's been a lot of adjusting. And I know 
that there's been adjusting on the GIA side too. And I don't know that we all could have weathered it quite as well when, when COVID hit. Here we were, we were all at our new offices. We were still unpacking boxes. And then eight, 10, 10 weeks after um, WLP and the GIA editorial team combined, we all got sent home where right. we're all still are, um, at least in a hybrid way. Um, and I think that familiarity, that kind of cousins who at least knew each other a little bit really helped. And I think it means that WLP's legacy has been able to continue and GIA has been able to embrace some things that are new. Um, yeah. Be that a, a periodical worship resource or you know, contemporary music found in the Voices series. Um, and I, you know, I, I know this is a phrase that a presidential candidate used once, but I, you, we're, we're stronger together. And I think as strange as these last 22, 23, 24 months have been, I, I think we've proud and we still are creating just really fine resources. Um, right. And we shall be proud of that. I, I, think, I think it's good for the Catholic publishing world. I think it's good for the church. I think it's good for staff. We're still figuring some things out. Yeah, I like how you mentioned you said friendly competitive cousins. That's uh, kind of it was a good good way to describe it. You know, like you said, we'd see each other at you know trade shows when we'd have bounce ideas off each other. You know, um, it was so it was even before the merger. It was you know, in some ways a you know a constructive relationship that you know benefited yeah. both sides. So, like you said, being together uh, is just makes it that much better for the church, and uh, you know, then that's that's a good thing. So your current role at GIA is vice president of people and culture. So another, uh, you know, kind of change for you, right? So can you just take us through some of your, you know, day to days in this new role and, you know, just kind of what taking on this new position kind of means to you, you know, adapting to, to a new position again? Sure. So when I first started at GIA, my title was general manager of the WLP division and people would ask me, well, what does that mean? And I'd say, well, I manage general things, generalities. Um, it, was, it was a lot of institutional knowledge, you know, things I knew about WLP that could help with the transition. And, you know, just kind of keeping everything going because we didn't have an acquisition and then say, okay, well, for the next six months, we're just gonna get used to it. I mean, there were schedules, there were projects, there were things in process. We hit the ground running, we kept going. And then, you know, within 2020, um, with all the change and all the challenge, GIA did an internal assessment. We did a 360 degree review of how we worked um, from, you know, leadership team throughout. We did an employee survey that was pretty extensive. And it became clear that at that point, um, the way I could help GIA the most um, would be to help focus on the full employee experience and how, how we do our work and also alleviate some pressure from people who were trying to do that amongst their other responsibilities and tasks and other work and other changes and continual adjustments. So, you know, it's a, it's a title I, I again, I seem to, seem to, it seems to be the trajectory of my career. Gee, I didn't expect that. Um, but 
you know, about 60 to 70% of my work now um, has connections to HR. That's the best way to describe it. Um, I do some things related to, it's a word that sounds so icky, but compliance, you know, making sure that we're, we're following employment law, that we're doing the things that we're supposed to do to meet, you know, what the state and the federal government requires and all that, um, best practices. But for the most part, my role is that I'm a resource for managers and employees as they deal with whatever comes their way in a particular work day. So there are sometimes challenging situations. There's sometimes just situations where um, someone needs some help navigating a system or um, figuring out the best way to approach a, a problem um, or solve a problem. And so I, I do that. Um, I advocate for employees to get what they need to do their best work. So that, you know, is I, I, I'm a bridge yeah. in a way between Absolutely. managers and employees and departments and senior leadership. Um, I do all of that. And it's, um, it's kind of fun because I have always wanted to work places where I was treated really well. So having the opportunity to continue to build a place that does that is pretty exciting. Um, we all spend so much time doing whatever work that we do, you know, um, a lot of our staff have parish jobs as well. So they're working, you know, right. their day job, they're working their night job, they're working their weekend job. And we spend so much time working that being miserable while you do it because of things that can be easily fixed or solved just doesn't make any sense. And it also just isn't really good for the business. It's not good for our composers, our customers, our authors. The, the more we are able to work in a healthy positive, productive way, everybody, everybody wins. So that, that is really exciting and satisfying for me. The other 30% of my work is still in that general management role, a, a lot with the WLP resources and the WLP team. Um, I, I work closely with those managers um, to make sure that those processes work. And, you know, whatever, whatever it is kind of that needs to be done in a general way, I'm game. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of fun. I, you know, I don't know. I think we, we really want to have a culture at GIA that spills over into the people we deal with outside of our own company. And being valued and being supported is, is so essential to that. And I'm, I'm not sure we're 100% there yet. To be completely honest, there's there's still work to be done, but I think that's true at every company. But we're we're getting closer and closer to that every day. It, it's a it's a good place to work, and I'm I'm glad to be part of that culture and, and continue to grow it. So yeah, absolutely, I would agree. I you've done a great job, so we're super lucky to have you in that role. Thank you on well, uh, on behalf of GIA employees. <laughs> well, we're all employees. I mean, I'm an employee too. Alex yeah. Harris, our president, is an employee. Like you know, we all we all have the things in our lives that that um, are challenging, and sometimes they happen during the workday, and sometimes they happen outside of it. Right. But anything that you can do to remove some of those obstacles um, is a, is a good day. For sure, remove those obstacles so you could you know focus on what needs to get done. Right. 
All right. Well, that's enough uh, serious stuff for now. What do you think? All right. All right cool. It's so, Friday, right? Right. <laughs> we're recording when we're recording. I don't know when people will hear this. But. It will launch next Friday too. So okay. Friday, so, yeah, so Friday. that works. <laughs> Friday. All right. So it is December 10th already. I don't know how it is December 10th already, but we are getting close to Christmas. So my next question, two next, next two questions actually are Christmas related for you. So okay. we'll do, uh, I'm going to ask you your three favorite Christmas movies of all time in order, if you could. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> um, boy, that's tough. Cause I, I even like those cheesy Hallmark movies, oh, that yeah. everyone makes fun of, but I'm not going to list one of those. I really love holiday Inn by Bing Crosby, which isn't just Christmas, but it, it has Christmas in it. Um, the mm -hmm. thought of operating an inn that was only open on the holidays sounds kind of fun. Um, so I've always loved that. I also like the Bells of St. Mary's, which is a Bing Crosby movie. So I like kind of those older ones. Yeah. And the third on the list that doesn't match that, that pops into my head is Elf. I just like ah, Elf. It makes yes. me laugh and it makes me smile and it, you know, it's heartwarming and funny and all of that. So Oh, Elf is, Elf is a good one. Um, okay. Did you know Will Ferrell turned down $29 million to do Elf 2? No. Yeah, he read, he's, he, uh, he read the script and didn't think it was, you know, could live up to the first one and said, no, I don't want to ruin it. So <laughs> pretty crazy, though. That. Yeah, I, I do, too. That. I do, too. So I let's see. The, what I wrote down for my top three, number one, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Just a, a, a you know, kind of a, a, just a classic. Number two, another classic that's also on every day. So if you haven't seen it, you could just turn on Freeform at any hour of the day and it'll be on as Home Alone. Uh, <laughs> and number three, I actually wrote two for number three. I kind of cheated because I couldn't pick between these two. But uh, The Grinch, either mm -hmm. either one of them. I really like the new one that just came out was uh super good and the original rudolph the red-nosed reindeer just another classic Ooh, just yeah just one every christmas you yes. gotta watch it for sure all right next one another good one there's a, there's a there's a new there's a rudolph have you ever seen the rudolph one that's rudolph shiny new year i have not no Check that. i don't know where you can find it <laughs> yeah there you go there's one and that's that is a favorite from my childhood it's like so. an animated one like it's, it's that stop like motion. the same right right the same yeah for sure <laughs> okay awesome i'm gonna write that down yeah just so always all looking right. for new christmas movies all right next That's one right. another fun one top three christmas songs of all time Oof. i know this you know, is music this is tough. questions make me nervous because um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm always afraid so i'm gonna go with some classics mm -hmm. um, i've always loved silent night my mom had a little kind of music box thing that played it. Um, so I have lots of memories, of just kind of just the sound of Silent Night in the lights yeah. of the history. Um, I love the line about a weary world rejoicing from A Holy Night. So it makes A Holy Night mm -hmm. kind of up there. Um, and I, I, I like Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I like kind of, I don't like the real melancholy ones, but there's that line of, you know, someday soon we'll all be together if the fates allow. It just speaks to me. Um, yes. So I like those. Um, but, but I do not like, and it drives people, some people crazy when I say this, is Carol of the Bells. 
Like, uh, yeah. So anxious, I want to jump out of my car. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just one of those. So if you asked me, you could ask anyone who knows me, you know, my niece and nephew, what's Auntie Jenny's least favorite Christmas song? Carol of the Bells. Oh, that is good. Just because it makes me anxious. <laughs> That's awesome. And I have a song too that I feel exactly like that with. Um, I just cannot stand it. It comes on. I have to leave the room. And it's probably a favorite for some people. All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. I cannot stand that song. I'm sorry if I offend anyone listening, but oh my God. (laughs) There are just those, you know, there are just those ones that you just can't. Right, right. If I had to pick top three, I'd go Christmas Canon, number one. Okay. Uh, Number two, this is a nod to my Italian heritage, but Dominic the donkey. Oh, that's a good <laughs> and number three, Jingle Bell Rock. And I got a good story about this also involving my father from who I mentioned earlier. Okay. He was home from college. He was 19 or 20 years old, driving his dad's new car on, on his way to pick up one of his buddies. You know, young guy feeling invincible, blasting Jingle Bell Rock, just jamming out to it jamming out so much that he wasn't paying enough attention to the road and ended up crashing my grandpa's new car into a curb and uh, doing some damage. So that my dad feels the same way about Jingle Bell Rock that I feel about All I Want for Christmas is You. So (laughs) that's... That is a good one. That is a good one. Okay, awesome. Getting close to the end here. Uh, Two more questions for you. First one, another fun one here. So what is one fact about you, uh, a fun fact, I guess, that the majority of your colleagues at GIA and WOP would not know? Um, you know, my dislike of Carol of the Bells, maybe, <laughs> probably, I don't know. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of w- my WLP colleagues um, for 20 years or so, so they know a lot, but I don't know if they know that I played Park District softball for most of my childhood. I don't know that I can hit a ball or throw something very well right now, but uh, I did do that. And I also won an ice cream eating contest when I was in third grade. Those are two to fame. I did. It was a grade school contest. It was little boxes of vanilla ice cream. And I must have been much very competitive and wanted that (laughs) gift card, which was to an ice cream parlor, which is kind of funny. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I won. I was kind of a, you know, this introverted little girl, third grade. There's all these other, you know, kids who are going to win this thing. And I just, just kept eating. Yeah. And just you just went for it. Yeah. So, awesome. so those are the two. Just vanilla ice cream. In it was the just right? vanilla yeah. at that point. Yeah. Okay. For sure. That's, that's fun. And I got to ask, what position did you play in softball? Do you know, it varied. I played catcher for a while. Mm-hmm. I played uh, second base for a while. And then I really liked playing third base. That was my favorite. Ah, very cool. Catcher and third base, two of my positions growing up. All right. So we'll wrap up on this next question here. Thank you again very much, Jennifer, for joining me. This has been a lot of fun talking with you. So, And I apologize in advance because this last one's kind of a broad question, but uh, kind of a way I like to wrap up you know, some interviews. So what's next for Jennifer Odegaard? Oh boy. Uh, normal would be nice. Um, no, I'm short, short term. I'm, I'm really looking forward to Christmas this year with my family, um, with my in-laws and extended family and friends. Um, we have some new office space uh, that the editorial and marketing team will be 
using in a hybrid kind of way in the new year. I'm looking forward to that. I, I've been toying with the idea of, of getting another dog. I have one dog oh. now. I've had as many as three. My dog now, uh, Gracie, is wonderful. Um, just love her. She's nine. What kind of dog is Gracie? She's a Spinoni Italiano. Oh, I I have not. No, it sounds like Spinoni, which is the ice cream contest. But um, no, they're they're an Italian hunting retriever dog uh, that stumbled upon years ago. And so I've owned three of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Gracie's the one I have still. And I'm thinking of, you know, just eyeballing getting a rescue sometime. Looking forward to traveling for fun again, um, visiting family, maybe some trip to Europe, you know, Scandinavia. I'd love to go to Denmark and Norway and Sweden. Um, My my one grandmother was born in Denmark. So that would be kind of fun. Um, I'd like to keep this job title for a little while. Um, (laughs) Maybe get some (laughs) business cards with a title on them. And, you know, I think we'll just see what happens. I, I think we've had so many unpleasant surprises or stressful surprises that I'm right. I'm hoping that there's some really good surprises in store. And that tends to happen. I think, I think things move in, in cycles and I think we're due for some good surprises. Not that, I agree. you know, all of them have been bad. I think um, WLP joining GIA was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Um, and like I said, I think that's exactly where we should be. Um, but I'm looking forward to some like just fun surprises, things you couldn't expect, but in the good realm versus the pandemic realm. <laughs> no, very well put. Well, hey, thanks again. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you again for you know taking the time to join me today. And yeah, I had had fun talking with you. It's always good to to spend time with you, Tony. And I appreciate you. Uh, thinking any of this was uh, interesting enough for a podcast. <laughs> oh, no, it's FC. You were nervous for no reason. You did a okay. great job. So thanks. Jerry. All right. Have a good have day. A, yeah. Good day and a good weekend. Okay, bye. Take care, Jennifer. Okay. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Jennifer Odegaard, VP of People and Culture at GIA. Thank you for listening to episode 15 of Encore. We want to wish you all happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a happy and healthy new year. I appreciate all of you that take the time out of your weeks to listen to the show. And we're looking forward to a lot of great conversations in 2022. Until next time, take care, everyone.